to come to this time of God's Word, Judges 13. As we continue in our study of the book of Judges, we are coming to the end point. And uh, we're, we're coming to a point where, you know, the expectation of what will happen next, if you've been walking through, you may go, man, I'm not quite sure where things are going to go. Yep, I need to turn it on. That's what it is. You know, I was on vacation. I was a little rusty. A little rusty this week. You know, as we continue, what will happen next? Who is going to come up? Or what will the Israelites do? And so we start to come in. And we see the refrain again. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So God honored their choice and said, Here, go be with the Philistines. Or I'm bringing the Philistines to you with this. And we're just sad to wonder. We're wondering uh, what will go on. See, the real question of this chapter is how I title things. Who's the real hero? You know, if you ask some of our kids, uh, uh, you know, kids growing up, they know kind of this story that starts, and we're very easy to answer Samson. He's the obvious hero. I think there's some truth to that. But I think as we go through these next chapters, we're to ask ourselves the question, who really is the hero. Is it Samson? You know, we all kind of like stories about heroes. You know, uh, anybody go see the new Marvel uh, movie yet? Black Widow? No one? Okay. Any of your boys go see that? Two of them or just one of them? All three of them. All right. Nani again, you know, some of you, I, I'm not, I hear it was a good movie, I've heard mixed reviews, I love, but I love these stories, but uh, Daniel is getting into the Harry Potter series, and I loved it, you know, when it first came out, I read all seven uh, straight through, I've seen every one of the movies, uh, maybe he loves the stories because I watched uh, episode, the seventh, part one, uh, while Alicia was in labor with him, so, you know, Nothing was really happening at that point in time. I think it was 2 o'clock in the morning, but I thought, you know what? I've got to stay awake because he could come at any moment. I should have just slept. Uh, but I enjoyed the moment. Uh, you know, it, it was the time. Well, Dean was getting into it, and I've been thinking this week, who's the real hero of those stories? You know, if you know those stories, you want to say, I mean, the title says Harry Potter Man, you would think it's Harry Potter. But maybe he's not the real hero, or the only hero. And it, sometimes we think of heroes in certain ways. Well, here we have in this chapter, we, we start with, okay, the Israelites, they've messed up again. No real surprise in the book of Judges, right? No real surprise that people mess up. Do people still mess up? Mess up? You know, only Leah maybe agrees that people mess up. You know, no. I mean, anybody who thinks no. They mess up. And they make messes. Uh, I think David uh, and Teresa said last week, Brandon, whenever you get a mass of people, you get a mess. You know? Uh, anytime more than two people are together, you get a mess. Uh, and relationships are messy. Right? Because we mess up. The Israelites mess up 
And the question is going to be, what is God going to do with this mess again? And what we find out is God shows up in brokenness. Are you broken? Is there something not right about you? Now, you don't need to tell your neighbor what's not right about them. All you don't need to be in the doghouse by telling Patrick what's wrong with it today. Okay? You know? Uh, and, and actually, a lot of times, we don't need someone to point out what is wrong with us. I don't always need to know when I mess up. Most of the time, I know. You know, uh, Judy and I like to go back and forth about her uh, piano playing. I'll move forward so you can see me while I make fun of you, Judy. You know, she talks about messing up. Most of the time, the rest of us don't even notice she messes up. But she is so concerned about those. She's concerned about those of you who watch us online. If you hear her mess ups, and will think less of her. You know. Uh, she wants to be perfect. Yeah, she wants to be perfect. Newsflash for Judy. She's not perfect. <laughs> All right? <laughs> I'm not perfect either. You know. There, but no, Judy, you know, most of us would go, Judy, when did you mess up? You know, she, Catherine would say the same thing. I would sit behind Catherine. And she would be finished playing, and she would say, I just messed that song up, I thought. And I would tell her, Catherine, I can read music. I know what you're supposed to play. I didn't get it. She said, well, I did. It was right here. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, you know. But, but we all mess up. We don't have to always go around telling people what's wrong with them. They get their wrong you know, and here we have a brokenness. We have the brokenness of the Israelites again. But as we read further, we see there's a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites. Had a wife who was childless. Who was unable to give birth. Brokenness on display. See, because if you are bearing in those days, if you were an Israelite and you did not have a child. It was kind of almost as some would go around going, I wonder if they sinned. Because part of the blessing of the covenant that God set up is, I will give you children. And children were a sign of blessing from God. And they knew enough that, you know, this is to some extent why um, sometimes they would get, you know, one or two extra wives. That wasn't ever God's intent. They were trying to put out God's blessing, and they figured out, okay, if one can't, well, maybe maybe it's the woman's fault. They didn't have the signs we do today. But they can put two and two together that if the second wife comes and she can give birth, must have been the first wife. If after two, none, must be the man. You know, they were smart enough to kind of figure that out. But here we have brokenness and barrenness. This week, if you're going to do devotions that are on the back of your handout, or those of you watching this online, and it's on our Faith Life app, and in our group, and on our website, uh, you will read about other stories of barrenness. There's some famous stories of barrenness in the scripture. Actually, from the very beginning of the nation of Israel, Abram and Sarah. Barren. Can't have any kids. They're broken. And Genesis 15 starts with Abraham, who's already received kind of a promise, saying, Who's going to be my heir? Does my, my line end with me and my servant get it all? You said you would bless me, but I don't see it. And then 
we were to open up as you will this week, hopefully. The very beginning pages of the Gospel of Luke, you find another story of barrenness. With Zachariah and Elizabeth. Brokenness. What will God do? And time and time again, the truth of this is found in Scripture. God shows up in our mess. In spite of our mess. God doesn't require you to get your act together before you come to Him. Because you can't. You will mess up again and again. God, can't, God doesn't say, until you're healed and you are no longer broken, then you can come. When we read about the Messiah in Isaiah 61, that Jesus said to himself, I will find the broken heart. I will heal the sick. I will proclaim freedom for those in chains. So, are you in darkness? Is there something that's dark in your life? Are you broken? Can you sit here or wherever you are and go, I know there's something not quite right. I've messed up this week, maybe. I messed up today, maybe. Something just is off. We just sing about the love of God throughout the service. That he is healer, that he's more than enough. Do you believe God will show up in your brokenness? Because he does. He shows up to Manoah's wife. Interesting. The one person who's not named in all of us. I would almost admit she's the hero. She's the exception to the rule again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You know, I, I almost put up and, and I thought, man, uh, but I'm going to say it anyways. You know, uh, English wasn't my best subject as far as grammar. Uh, I wasn't good at English until I had to translate Greek, and then you become good at English. I'd rather, much rather prefer Greek because you can write the sentence in about any way possible and get your point across. Barb, uh, you teach grammar. You were a third grade teacher, right? First grade. So you didn't teach much grammar. Joyce, you were third grade then. Yeah. All right. So we have this idea of uh, I before E, except after C. All right? Um, but you realize, or what it makes the long A sound like a neighbor? And a whole other way. We try to say that's the exception to the rule. Actually, if you want to Google it, more times than not, it's uh, E before I. Uh, the exception is I before E. Uh, with that. And if you're online, you can find a meme about I before you, except if you have eight uh, feisty neighbors over caffeinated things over the world. All those would be obvious way. You know, and we see these things. And here we are. It, the exception to some extent, the rule is, it, is this woman gets shown up. She's the broken individual. She's being overturned by the Philistines and God shows up. Now the angel of the Lord, which is God himself, says, you are barren and childless. And you want to go, thanks, God. I mean, if I'm her, but um, I think I know this. I don't necessarily need a reminder. But see, sometimes God needs to remind us of who we are so we get who he is. Sometimes we need to be reminded who we are so we understand who he is. And then he goes on to say, 
you, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Whenever, whenever God says but, we ought to take note. And I think God sometimes wants to say but in our lives, but we just hear this, uh, I'm broken, we go, if you only knew God, but what about this, 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 and so and so, we, we never let him go on to the but portion of things. We take it over. And, and he says, you're going to give birth, so drink no wine. Have your son never have uh, his hair shaved. He's going to be a Nazareth, dedicated to God from the womb. And then it goes on to say what I think we should have seen is he will begin the delivery of the Israelites to the Philistines. I know it, it says in the United States, it says he will take the lead. But if you read the rest of the story, Actually, Samson never delivers the nation from the Philistines. That's coming later. But he is the beginning of that. He is the beginning of the fact the nation of Israel will see victory. I think it's quite fitting that the next story of barrenness that we will read in Scripture is the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel who gives birth to the prophet Samuel, who will see the victory. The words of Judges 13 come to be true. And Manoah's wife goes to Manoah and says, here's what happens. Our son, who becomes known as Samson later, he is to be a Nazarite. He's, he's to take this back. And, and what's interesting is, is Manoah's wife, Samson's mother, kind of gets this idea that this isn't like any other Nazarite vow. Most others would take this vow maybe for a week, two weeks, a month, two months, maybe a year. She goes, he's going to do this for life. He is set apart for life with that. What I find very interesting about uh, Samson's mom, his mother, is we get no hint that she ever thought, okay, maybe God got it wrong. Maybe this isn't right. She takes and acts. That's an example of faithfulness, of belief. Well, for as believing as she is, her husband well, not so much. I like to think Manoah is just a typical Israel. As most of the guys in the book of Judges are, especially after Gideon. Jephthah, we had his daughter, who seems to be highlighted as, as uh, a faithful Israelite. And Manoah hears these words and he's like, can't happen. I, I, where was I? You know, when I, until I see it, I can't believe you really have this. You know, sometimes that's how we are, right? Oh, no, no, no. Just because you had this experience with God doesn't mean it's true. And there could be some truth in that. But Jesus said to Thomas when he made the great proclamation, blessed are the ones, us, 
who believe and yet will not see. It doesn't mean belief has to be absolute. We'll get to that in a minute. But there's a moment where we have to see that, you know what? We can take someone's word. We can trust them. Do you have relationships where if they came to you and said, uh, this is what I've heard from God, and you can trust them? Maybe you're going to do some background, make sure you heard them right. But if you're always a skeptic and you can't believe anybody, then maybe you need to work on having trust in relationships with people you know. And what's beautiful about this is God shows up in the brokenness of Noah. He comes again. And, and, and Simpson's mom, he goes, she goes and runs and gets her husband and says, here's the man. And, and here's the thing. First off, Manoah says this to, the, to God. He says, are you really the one who talked to my wife? Like, yeah, not somebody else. You pray. You know, he prays that, that I want to, uh, I, I, I want this man of God that you sent my wife to come to teach us again. He wants it again. I mean, his wife told him the words. She didn't mess him up. Nothing was lost in translation here. He prayed, and God shows up, and he goes, wait a minute, are you really there? Maybe we need to take a step back and go, how many times has God answered your prayer, and you're like, wait a minute, are you sure this is right, God? You know, and I think sometimes it's like, well, you prayed, didn't you? Absolutely. We pray for every week here on our list, we pray that, that people who don't know Jesus would come to know Jesus. Then sometimes we'll be surprised when new people show up. How about that? We've been praying about it. Of course. Now, God doesn't have to answer our prayers the way we want, but we pray, and God responds to prayer. And, and then he goes, what is this way of life for this guy, for this kid? He doesn't say, hey, my wife says this. There's a testing going on here. And notice what God does. He says, the angel of the Lord who is God, he says, um, your wife must do everything I told her. Oh, thanks. I was hoping he'd be a little more specific, right? It's like, I've already given the details. She's already told you the details. Your wife must do everything I've told her. And that will be true. See, the angel of the Lord only talks about Samson's mom's job. She knew both. He doesn't repeat the son's job. And then Manoah, as a typical Israelite, tries to get the upper hand here. He said, why don't you stay while I make us a meal? This idea of hospitality sounds good, but what he's trying to do is get this guy to be indebted to it. If he can get the upper hand, then he can use this for his benefit later. And God wants none of that. He says, even though you try to detain me, it ain't happening. If you really want, you can prepare a fair offering to the Lord. And then Manoah says, what is your name? 
Once again, in that culture of the time, the Israelites started to realize if they were the name of that deity, they could try to sway that deity to do what they wanted. It was a way of trying to have power over them. And, and God says, it's beyond your comprehension. See, because I think we need to know that we don't need to know it all in order to obey God. You don't have to figure it all out. We live in a world that, that highlights information, highlights knowledge, highlights you've got to know it all before you can go further. No. Sometimes information is your stumbling block to obedience. Sometimes you just need to trust. See, it's interesting, uh, Samson's mother when she reports back for the first time, I don't know where this guy came from. I don't even know his name. Now, those of you who are really detail-oriented, if you like to know the plan uh, before you ever do anything, that would totally frustrate you like to know it. Wait, wait, wait. Who is this guy? What's his credentials? Where did he come from? Why are you actually believing this guy? We don't even know he's true. And I think Samson comes from, you know, I mean, when someone says, they know who I am, even though I've never talked to them, and they say, I'm going to have a baby. I guess I don't ask too many questions. I'm still a little stunned. I'm just going to do it. But we don't need to know all. In fact, sometimes when we are broken, when we've been betrayed by others, we think we've got to know every little detail in order to find healing. And I'm here to tell you it's not true. Sometimes, not knowing all the information, it's God's way of giving grace. God's way of loving you. You may want it all, but God says, trust me. Trust me. If God is a God that you can figure out all the time, he is not God. Isaiah the prophet says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts. You can't figure God out. Sometimes, you just have to go. They go, I don't believe. I think what we see here is our disbelief doesn't always disqualify us from obeying God and God using us. Samson will disobey many a time. He will have a disbelief about is this really to be true. Manoah doesn't really believe, but it doesn't stop God from using this family. And the same could be true for you and me. So Manoah offers this sacrifice, and once again, God shows up, and, and a flame blazes, and, and God ascends up into the flame. And then Manoah goes, uh-oh, I bet I'm in trouble now. Shame comes in. And what does he say? We're dead. We've seen God. We're going to die. And here's what I love about Samson's mother. I mean, this lady has common sense. I, we need common sense sometimes. And, and sometimes what Jesus wants us to use is, is not this faith that's out there. It's just a common sense thing of what's the best thing to do. She goes, um, honey, my version. Honey, I love you, 
But you really think he came down to kill us after telling us we're going to have a baby? Like, oh. Good point, dear. And think about it. If he really wanted to kill us, would he give us this promise twice? Would he really do this? Like, come on. Get with it, my version. She also said, you think if he meant to kill us, he would have accepted the burnt offering? You think he, this really would have happened? For some of us, we need to engage common sense when it comes to God. Oh, I, I can't tell God that. He, he knows I've messed up too much. But why? It's strange. No, don't keep on sinning, Paul would say. Jesus said to the woman, not in sin, go and sin no more. But he didn't stone her right there. He's not going to stone you either. Or your neighbor, who really is messed up. And you want to let them know they're messed up so they know Jesus. They need Jesus, but Jesus isn't going to throw that stone. He's going to demand different. He's going to say, I love you so much, I want more for you. For some of you maybe watching this online, and for some of you who are here, though you're here, but sometimes in our brokenness, we, we go away from people. We isolate. We isolate when we're in pain. And what we need to do is come back together. You need somebody to say, you might be messed up, but I still love you. And so does Jesus. So come back. Some of you are here, but you, 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 you're, you're not sure you can share your brokenness with somebody. Share it. A burden shares half the burden. A joy shares is twice the joy. As a colleague of mine many years ago shared with me. And I've used it ever since. See, we might be good at sharing the bad news, but what about the good, joyful news? Well, I don't want to brag. It's not necessarily bragging that God did it. It's proclaiming His goodness. Now, if you start taking credit for it, that's another thing. I mean, uh, Mark and Jennifer, I mean, you probably, you know you have good kids, right? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Most kids. Maybe. But don't you like to hear when they've done really good work? It makes you go, okay, good. We, we've not messed them up. We've done something right. Right? I mean, it does. You know? Uh, and as parents, sometimes you only see the things your kids do wrong. Why? Because you see it. You're reminded of it. And so someone says, you know what? You got a really good kid. How many of you others will share what God has done when you see the goodness of God somewhere else? Share the joy. Because we need to be reminded that God is alive. And as we close this morning, we see this, these words uh, in verses 24 and 25. The woman gave birth to a boy named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Dan between Zorah and Ashtarot. God's spirit is alive. See, as you read the book of Judges, 
as the judges were, the people of Genesis were living it out, the question becomes, is God still alive? Is what's going on? We're being overtaken again and again. And maybe they get to the point where they realize it's there. We've seen that. Now it's almost, and we'll see in the next week or so, that they just get comfortable being under someone else's control. They get comfortable not being the people of God. But God says, no, 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 I'm still alive. My spirit is still alive. And the same is true today. God's spirit hasn't stopped working. In fact, he's working in you. Some of you, there's something going on in you right now, right this moment. Maybe you need to say, okay, Lord, here it is. Here I am. I don't know what you're really saying. Help me here. But also the same way. How can uh, those of us who are older in the faith, how can we help the next generation discern the spirit? See, because in Samuel, when Samuel is born, there's this old man, Eli, who doesn't have it all together. He's a pretty broken man. His family is completely dysfunctional. They don't even put the fun in dysfunctional. They're just dysfunctional. But Eli had enough of an understanding of who God is. He knew God. And he knew that God's spirit was alive. And when Samuel says, here, I, I, I've come. And Eli goes, I'm not, I'm not called for you. Eli doesn't take him long to go, wait a minute here. And he says to the little boy Samuel, who yet to know what the voice of God hears like. The next time you hear that voice, say, hear, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. How can you and I, those of us who are older in the faith, help our younger ones, help the Aaron's and the Rosies and the Clintons and the Mayas and the Tanners and the Jordans and the uh, Janus and the Owens? I mean, you only lived with me for a whole year. I think I would know you, right? And the, and the other, and the Daniel and the other, and Noah and Hannah. And Leela and Eliana, how can we help them go? Hey, guess what? That's the spirit of the Lord. Are you listening? Because that's our job. But maybe before we can do that, we just need to say, Lord, help me to discern you better too. See, because God doesn't just speak to the young ones; He speaks. The old and some of you are older than me. You know, some of you are even older than older than me. Is that a nice way of putting it? You know, <coughs> you believe God can still speak to you because He can. Do you, do you believe that God may still have to say, hey, this isn't maybe what you wanted to do, but this is what I'm calling to you for a moment such as this? And you know what our response is? Here am I. Send me. Uh, Jeff, write down for a future time. We have in our hymn book uh, a great song. It's, it's not really new uh, to me. I think it would be new to us, uh, but it, it's it's the hymn, uh, hymn number. Five eighty nine, and it's just 
Jeremiah, Lord. It's taking the words of Isaiah. And, uh, and, and it just says, you know, it says these words. So listen uh, to these words based out of Isaiah 6. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in deepest sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? And the chorus says this. It's a response to the words of God. It says, here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you leave. I will hold your people in my heart. I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. I have wept for love for them. I mean, do you get this picture of who God is? He weeps out of love for us, yet they turn away. I will break their hearts of stone. Give them hearts for love alone. I will speak my word to them. I, the Lord of wind and flame, I will tend the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them. Oh, man. If you're poor and someone puts a feast out for you, you're like, is that, really? Can, can I? I mean, I'm not used to this, but I kind of like what I see. Absolutely. The promise of Scripture is there's nothing in there where the Lord is laying out a feast. I will set a feast for them. My hand, the Lord says, will save. Finest bread I will provide till their hearts be satisfied. I will give my life to them. Whom shall I send? The book of Judges shows us the truth of what the prophets will pick up. Though you are faithless, I am a God of love. Your brokenness cannot undo my covenant faithful love for you. I will show up. I am alive. But then he says what he said time and time again from every generation. The call of God is, this is who I want to do, but who will I send? Who will say, hey, maybe it's me. If you leave, I will go. And here we see, may I submit the hero of Judges 13 through 16 is an unnamed woman who couldn't have children but God showed her. And she said, well, if it's me, I'll go. I'll do. I'm here. What's the Spirit saying to you today? What is the Spirit saying to you today? Father God, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for being able to come and to uh, worship you in this place. Jeremiah, is it I? Here we are, Lord. Is it this church, Lord? We just want to be your people today and every 